0: Hey everybody, are you training for ultra an ultra race of some sort? Okay, I mean I've I've listened to two hundred and three of these. That
1: is a good hook. I if you turn this off and don't listen to the next part, I mean that's
0: on you. Hey, this is Chris Ward from the Like a Bigfoot podcast, and you are listening to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just
1: free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire. Possibilities are a handler. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. Great cause. Oh, they you. I just turned it out, man. So you keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep inspiring.
0: For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong.
1: Hey, everyone. It's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. That was
0: physically totally wrecked. I I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I
1: could, you know, finish a 50 miler,
0: I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Welcome
1: to episode 203 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a great episode. Chris Ward of the podcast, Like a Bigfoot, is on. He's not only just a, a great athlete, and you'll hear more about his running background, but he's he's just a great person. He's he's a good friend of mine, and this is long overdue. He's a school teacher, um, somehow gets it all in. Gets his yoga in every single day. He's on like a yoga streak. And uh, he's his creative outlet, it seems to have been this podcast, and now he's also branching out into videos. So I'm really excited and want to support him as he grows out that aspect of his life. But just a really fun episode and just thankful to finally be able to put out consistent content once again after, you know, a few few months off. I think that uh, I'm benefiting you. I don't want to just put things out there because I'm grinding out a weekly podcast. I want to feel excited about doing the interviews because I respect you guys. You can listen to any podcast out there. So hopefully you enjoy that. Big shout out to the show sponsors, Tannery Outdoors, the John Wayne Cancer Foundation and their Grit Series, along with Exoskin. Definitely go check out Exoskin's website. They're doing great, great things. They have a, an awesome... Uh, high quality fabric like nothing else. So definitely check them out. Big shout out to you Patreon supporters. Enjoy this episode. Chris, (laughs) it's it's long overdue, man. We keep trying to do the in-studio interview and I I was so excited. And then it's like, whether it's a, a COVID hiccup or like our schedule's just not we're both really busy. We have lots of kids between the two of us. It's, <laughs> this is the easiest way of doing this. And um, long overdue, I, I, I've been on your podcast several times and I have wanted to get you on for so long. So thank you for
0: taking the time. Dude, man, I'm honored. Seriously. I every time I've talked to you on the the on my podcast, it's been really, really cool, really mind blowing. And I I just love everything that you're doing and the message you're putting out there. So so thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I likewise, truly. I, I think
1: we see eye to eye on just about everything in endurance sports. And I mean, part of me is like, man, he's doing a lot of really cool things. Like you can talk to someone about basically anything that's just epic like you've broadened and broadened your um topics enough and it's it's just always fun to check out who you're speaking with and you don't go necessarily after like the giant names that have been interviewed like 1500 times like you i I feel like you really pride yourself in finding unique stories
0: is that fair to say yeah uh definitely man i think part of it also is there is a bit of intimidation when you know someone's been interviewed a billion times and you're like oh my god like how, am i going to bring something cool and interesting and weird f- to the table or am i going to ask like the same stuff that they've already talked about you know it's um hard. it's really so, hard so yeah dude it's super hard and But there is a a point to me where I'm just like, I just enjoy hearing about adventures, whether that's ultra running or, you know, rowing across the ocean or going and climbing a mountain or, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and it's kind of cool, like finding the commonalities between all of these different aspects of adventure. So dude, it's been, I, you know, I started, I started it five years ago or almost six years ago, just when I was a stay at home dad for like something interesting to do. And it's truly been a life changing journey. So it's, yeah, it's been super fun. How, how many and I get, yeah, go ahead. I've been introduced to really cool people like you. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of a cool, like community forming thing, you
1: know? I mean, truly, you know, speaking with you on the podcast, on your podcast has been such like a, a real conversation. Um, And I, it's cool that you live so close. We definitely need to hit the trails at some point together here. Um, And I know you just avoided that, that giant fire uh, in Northern Denver. I mean, how, how far away was that from you?
0: Um, It was about 20 minutes North. Uh, Actually started in the grasslands where I run quite a bit of my training. Um, I think anyways, just based on, I haven't driven up there yet. Uh, Unfortunately, one of my really close friends, probably my best friend out here, his house was in the neighborhood in Louisville. And his whole neighborhood just got completely wiped out. So, yeah, man, it's been – it was a really rough way to kind of end the year. Um, Yeah. And, you know, you just hate to see your friend kind of suffering, you know. And even if the suffering is just – the massive amount of stress that he now has trying to like figure life out for him and his family. Like it's, it's tough for sure, man. But I appreciate you asking. Yeah, man, yeah, we thoughts were with you guys, by the way, it Just was shout out yeah. to all you guys that are impacted
1: up there. My mm. intern, Sarah, like she, she was watching it from her backyard. Apparently like Poor it's, man. yeah, it's, everyone was watching that. It was scary. And, and if you were impacted, like reach out, Give us a shout out like, you know, we, we'd we love to uh, at least put in some
0: some words of uh, encouragement on the podcast at some point. So, yeah, yeah, man. And it was it was just, you know, everybody was watching it because it was just all of these factors like the dryness and the wind and all of that. Just coming together at once in this horrible, like horrific thing. So, so yeah, man. It's uh, 2022. I'm like, 2022 has to be better. It just does. That was a rough way to end the last year. Or so, so yeah. So, I'm going
1: to segue. We we have a common friend. She is maybe one of the more unique athletes on the planet. Have you been watching Brittany Charbonneau? <laughs> Holy yeah. crap!
0: Yes. Yeah, dude. So she just won every race in the Dopey Challenge, uh, dressed as various Disney characters, which I, I know you appreciated, especially after your film. I I cannot believe it. <laughs> I mean, she we were kind of
1: messaging. Uh, we were supposed to all go out for dinner uh, and just I think our sitter got sick. And so we had to cancel like three hours before going out to dinner with her and Justin. I was like feeling really bad about that. Um, Cause she had a rough Boston after kind of like a freak accident sounded like with a dog, like tripping her a week what? before. Yeah. Before the Boston marathon. I don't know. I'll let her tell that story, but dude, that's wild. I mean, it was, it was so hard to see. Cause I just felt like her fitness level was like top five possibly top 10 in boston like if she had a good day who knows uh but it just yeah she it apparently crashed really hard like after uh, a dog was off a leash and yeah it was like her last kind of tune-up run before flying out to boston so anyways it's great to see her being the first person ever to win every one of the four races the 5k 10k half marathon marathon i mean what an ultra runner
0: mentality right so crazy man was <laughs> well, the day after like the back to back to back but also like if there's any event that britney should go win it's the disney or disney like dopey challenge you know
1: she's having the time of her life like <laughs> yeah she if anyone embodies disney more i, I you know <laughs> let me know if they can run but yeah. I, I
0: have one critique dude like She dressed as bing bong one day and I'm like, (laughs) I legitimately I'm like, dude, I'm going to have another like emotional breakdown. I can't do bing bong, man. Like, I can't do it. We watched it in theaters and and then I rewatched it uh, like before Christmas one time. Right. And they're spoiler alert for Inside Out, they're in the pit of despair where like all the memories are disappearing and stuff. And like, I look over. So, this girl, the memories that she had when she was like two are disappearing. And she's this like little blonde girl. And she's like playing with her dad and stuff. And those memories are disappearing. I look over at my daughter, who looks exactly like her. And she's two. And I'm like, oh my God, dude. She's going to not remember any of this. And then I left the room and almost started weeping.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean,. If you need to talk to someone about this moment, <laughs> uh, we're here for you, Chris, so but man, I'll I'm glad I missed that movie. I don't need to,
0: uh, Oh, you haven't I need seen to, it. no, no, I haven't, dude, don't watch it. You will. It's really good, but don't watch it. But That's I was going to message Brittany and be like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm about to start sobbing over here. What's <laughs> happening. <laughs> so how, how many kids do you have? Chris? I, I have three. Yeah. I have three. Um, three, seven, five, and two. They keep us busy.
1: I mean, I have two and I've given up my wife and I have both given up like 50% of ourselves per child. So I can't even imagine an extra one, but you find that other 50%. I, I don't know how negatives work with all this, but yes. (laughs) Um, And then what do you do? You know, as as your uh, your typical day job, are you still working from home as like stay at home dad? Or are you? Oh man, yeah, I'm a middle or?
0: school. I'm a middle school science teacher. Um, at like a school like five minutes from here. So my all of my daughters will go through my middle school at some point, and I'm like this. That might be the longest nine years of my life when that happens. We'll see. You have all daughters, all daughters, man. Okay, <laughs> I have two sons
1: and. The three year old is killing me. (laughs) I
0: mean, (laughs) that's three year olds' jobs, dude. Oh my gosh. How do you fit like the training and the running in with all of that? I don't know at this point.
1: And I feel like people are like looking at my Strauver and they're like, this guy's a charlatan. Like, he's not, he's not running, but it's truly, it's like, man, I've prioritized running first before. That's not a good way to go. Um, I'm still trying to work out the impossible balance, you know, like, if I'm running too well, it's coming from somewhere else. So, you know, for me, I mean, how do you do it? You have you have an extra one,
0: dude, the only like the only way is to wake up at 4am and it sucks. So I've been doing it for like eight years now or almost eight years and it's horrible and I hate running at 430 like when I leave my House at 4 30 in the morning. I want to cry most days, but you just got to do it. You know, I'm like, this is the only time I really get to myself. And so I got to take it. And, you know, after once I get going, I feel way better. But it's that initial like waking up, the alarm goes off. And, you know, the thought would be, you've been doing this for a long time. Like, you think it'd be easy but you're just kind of like, it's, it's not easy. (laughs) It'll never be easy. Um, but, but yeah, you just, you just go out and, and, and just do it. But that's like my best advice, honestly, is, is, you know, wake up early. Like I've had friends who've had kids and they're like, what do you do about training? I'm like, you just wake up an hour earlier, two hours earlier now. So that's fun with that. I mean,
1: for me, it's like work from homes allowed me, I wake up at 4am, do like maybe the work that is absolute most important. And then I can like reshuffle and then I can take an hour during lunch and run. That's perfect. And yeah. So like, but like you 4am 4 430 is like the very, very normal for me. Um, yeah, nothing's worse than 2020. Like, so as bad as it is, I mean, yeah, with the kids learning from home, That was, (laughs) that was, that was rough. At least they're, you know, getting a little bit of time in
0: school. Yeah, totally dude. Well, and I think like part of it, you know, when, when people have kids, but they're still like, want to also be healthy or be an athlete and stuff like that. Like there's people find time, you realize just how much time you kind of wasted before, when all of a sudden finding an hour is like a huge deal, you know, like when it's really important to your physical health and mental health and all that stuff, you're like, oh, like I can find an hour in this crazy busy schedule. So yeah, man, are you respect respect to all the parents out there?
1: Are, are you like, because I just went on uh, a vacation, go visit some family out east and I like had a whole day where I wasn't didn't have really any good internet connection had, you know, in-laws and and my parents, my sister helping watch the kids. And I'm sitting there like, I don't have anything to do. And it kind of like, it it was unnerving. It was
0: very uncomfortable having nothing to do. (laughs) I had that exact experience like like two weeks ago, dude. What is going on? I was sitting around. I looked at my wife. I'm like, what do I do? She's like, you don't have anything to do. I'm like, I know. But like, what do I do now? Like, I don't understand this feeling, you know? (laughs) 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 super crazy Um, so
1: tell me more about i mean let's hear about your podcast i want to hear about your running got to hear about the yoga too um (laughs) always always a fan of those updates on your instagram which your pictures have been getting better and better and better every time i check
0: they're all my pictures of yoga are always the floor like it's just our dirty carpet Got to work on those. Um, But it's
1: always like yoga day, like 1500 or 1000 in a row. Um, Let's, let's hear more about this podcast that you're doing. Where where did the name come from? What is
0: what's up with that? Yeah, well, that's kind of tied into the whole running journey kind of deal. So my wife and I moved to Virginia um, for her medical residency. And once I moved there, I was like starting to kind of become a runner. Like I had been running for a couple years leading up to that, um, you know, would go out and train and and all that. I, I was training for rugby when I first started like actually running. Um, and then we moved to Virginia and all of a sudden there's this like the best part of the town. We lived in Danville, Virginia, like Southern, like basically North Carolina. And um, they had like 35 miles of single track through the woods, and I love those trails, man. They were called ang- I was called Angler's Ridge, and there's there's not like giant views or huge mountains or anything like that, but it was just these trails that zigzagged through the woods. And so I'd go out there um, like once a week at first, and I don't know if your experience was like this, but um, as soon as I started running trails my heart rate, like I'd go up a hill and my heart was pounding so fast. I was like, what just happened? (laughs) And it wasn't like a huge, like Colorado Hill. It was like a Virginia Hill, you know, which was steep, but it was short. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And, um, I just kept doing that. So I do that like once a week, uh, at first and, and then all of a sudden, I did it twice. I would do it twice a week. And then all of a sudden I was doing it like every single day. Um, and it it turned into like, Oh, I'm not going to run on roads anymore. I am only going to run on trails. And the thing about it that really like drew me to it, um, was just the fact that like, I would get done with the workout and I would be covered like head to toe in dirt and mud. And, uh, spider webs, like you just always constantly run into spider webs there and they just be in your face and your hair, um, and like cuts and scrapes and all that. And I just felt so alive afterwards, you know, like I would get back to my car, which I destroyed my car doing this because I was so sweaty and like. I was like, I should put a towel down on the seat, but my seat was destroyed after a few months of this.
1: Yeah. Don't um, ride in Chris's car ever. Yeah, it was not I'm recommended. Sure was,
0: I'm sure it was <laughs> not a pleasant experience for anybody. Yeah. Um, But, uh, but that's, that's literally how it look coming out of this. And, you know, I don't know. I, the place is a pretty popular place, but I, I think I would run it right after school. So it was like 3 PM. So it was just a time I I wouldn't see anybody when I was out there. So all of a sudden I'm in the woods and I'm seeing all these just animals and not seeing any other humans. And it kind of like became the thing that I needed to, you know, I was just coming off a day of talking to eighth graders all day. I'm like, I need to get my brain back by the end, you know? Um, but then I, so I, would tell my wife. She's like, "What are you gonna do after school today?" And I would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go run through the woods like a Bigfoot. Like that was that would be how I describe trail running. Like I'm just running like a Bigfoot right now." She's like, "Oh, okay. Um, good luck with that. Don't get hurt." I'm like, "Yeah, I'll try not to." Um, and then that kind of became my mantra. And I don't know, man. It's kind of cheesy to even describe, but I would like put on like a bandana. You know, mm-hmm. and start running, and it would almost feel like a superhero costume. Where you're like, now I'm doing the thing. You grow like, out
1: your hair, like, <laughs> did you like intentionally, like, I don't know, try try <coughs> to get some kind of hairier chest than normal? Grow out
0: the beard, just n- wish, not shave man. at all, dude. I wish, man. I I like have patches on my face, like it won't grow into a full beard. Yet I'm 35. I'm like, oh, someday maybe I'll have a full beard. I'm still- and then my hair just grows out into a giant fro. Like it never like falls down. and looks cool. Like, you know, all the cool ultra runners you see with like long flowing hair. I'm, Mine's I'm, not like I'm, that at all.
1: Picturing like Michael J. Fox, Teen Wolf. Oh, totally. Like like you're <laughs> you're surfing on top of a van to get to the trail. Um, I
0: mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be like a werewolf, I guess. So, all right. Um, yeah. If anyone wants to take that website, like a werewolf.com, um, could be like a partner, but no man
1: training for rugby. I have already written that one down.
0: (laughs) Um, but dude, it just, I don't know. It became the thing that like, I just ended up falling in love with. And then, you know, once you start branching out and now you're, you're trail running, but you're exploring these new areas or you're doing something that's like uncomfortable. Like I, I, I always remember the first time I went down there at like five in the morning and it was completely dark. Like the first time I ran in the dark, I'll always remember Um, because you just have the little headlamp, you know, and you're headed out in the trails. And in Virginia, it's like completely dark because you're in the middle of the woods. And uh, I remember pulling into the parking lot and there's a police car just sitting there like... Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why I was sitting there, but all of a sudden I'm pulling up, and of course, he walks out. He's like, Uh, sir, what are you doing? And I'm like, Hey, man, I'm doing this 50K in a couple weeks, and I need to know what it's like to run with a headlamp. And he just looked at me like I was the weirdest dude he'd ever met. <laughs> and he was like, All right, dude, go get him. I'm like, Sure. And then I went out, and when you shine that headlamp in the woods and you just see, like, 20 pairs of eyes looking at you and they're all deer most of the time like 99% of the time they're deer but you're like this is pretty cool like I get to go out and have this weird adventure that is definitely a bit outside of my comfort zone um and that's that's kind of like why I fell in love with trail running from that point I mean tell me about the first time getting lost because I think of the
1: (laughs) zigzag trails like no reference point because you're not climbing up or down. You yeah. get... I mean, if the sun's not out, I I always would get lost in Ohio all the time because uh, there really is no, like, front range. Like, you know, there's no yeah. vantage point to really, like, get a bearing from.
0: Yeah. Luckily on this one, um, they it was, like, <clears throat> well-marked. Like, I think they had loops. Like, they had different colors on signs. So... It, it would take a lot to get lost there, um, but I do remember the very first time I got lost in this race called uh, it was like, what was it called? Like the Pilot Mountain 50k or something. And it was probably like the best I would ever been running. Somehow I went into it with no expectations, just being like, I'm going to use this as a training run. And then all of a sudden I was actually like doing pretty good. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then we took and like three other people just took a wrong turn for like a half an hour. And I was like, yep, there's trail running for you. <laughs> it was a great
1: performance. Uh, my ultra sign-up shows I was in <laughs>
0: 78th place. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, out exactly. of 100.
0: Out of um, 78. No. Uh, no, man. But dude, I don't know. You know, like, this is why I think uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Like, I think you get what trail running just does for your soul. Like it there's something about it. And I was thinking about this a lot recently is you always hear that you always hear people say like, make sure you have a why going into the race, you know? And then when it gets really hard, you're out there and you're like, you have that why to fall back on, you know? Totally. Um, which I think is so good. And I think that's that everyone should do that because you're, I love the idea of putting emphasis on like the mental growth, you know, by doing these big like endurance challenges. Um, but I do think there's also something to be said with like like there's a point where you there's a moment in any of these endurance events, whether it's a race or whether it's like a challenge you put a put forth to yourself, there's a moment when you realize why you're out there. And that moment might not be like the same reason going in it's not it might not be the same why going in and that realization is really what's like hooked me to doing this kind of stuff like because you know you go to a race and you're like what am I gonna discover today and then you leave the race like later that day or the next day or whatever and you're like whoa I can't believe that that is what I discovered I, and I, I think, think it's awesome. huge
1: yeah I haven't really thought of it that way um I think of my why like day to day as if it's not like exciting me, I need to spend some time and reflect on, is this truly still my why and and what is it? Because it's not static. People think like your whole life, your why for running is always supposed to be X, Y, or Z or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. And like your why could change daily, monthly, you know, like every year you could have a different why and, Sometimes like my, my difficulty was when my why shifted to like really helping other people explore their why. And I don't know if it still is exactly like centered on that or what, because then, you know, my own training is, is falling a little bit back from where it should be. So, uh, but that's such a good point that your why going into the race can be totally different than
0: your why like that you discovered during the race or even after yeah man like i mean to to for an example uh i did my first 100k last year um and i did it was called the boonville backroads ultra in iowa uh i remember those instagram stories dude (laughs) oh my gosh so I'm sorry. I just had a flashback. <laughs> yeah, man. So I was like, dude, I want to go. I've ran in Virginia. I've ran in Colorado, um, where I live now. And I'm like, I want to go back to my home state and experience it because you experience it, you know, on, on feet, like traveling a long distance. It's a different way to kind of like take that, that place, that area in. And so uh, heard about this race, uh, awesome race director named Brad Danes. Um, and I was like, you know what? Actually, if I'm going to be honest, Rob, here's, here's the reality of what happened. I met Brad out here in Colorado and we went on a hike together and then he gave me the shirt, like the Boonville shirt. And I was like, thank you, man. But I was like, I can't wear that because I like, haven't actually done the race yet. You know, <laughs> I would have felt like a poser. But it's a really cool shirt and it has like the Iowa Hawkeye colors. So I was like, I'm wearing the shirt. I told my wife, I'm like, I guess I'm going to wear this shirt. And then as soon as I put the shirt on, I'm like, I have to sign up for this race. (laughs) I mean, Uh,
1: (laughs) that's something that I've never um, gotten from you was you like trying to like bend the truth about anything. If anything, you're like overly honest, like Rob, I flew out. I know. Just so I could wear wear this shirt. I
0: can't, can't, like... (laughs) We're in 100K. I I have to add this story. I had to add that in, because that's, like, the actual, like, reality. I have the opposite problem.
1: Like, I have a Leadville 100-mile mountain bike t-shirt that's really comfortable. And I have a a Leadville 100-mile mountain run trail shirt that's really comfortable. Yeah. I, I DNF both of them. Now what do I do, Right this is weird weird situation if it's comfortable though you gotta wear it that's the thing i mean i've never experienced getting a different race shirt
0: though before any of that yeah see so here's people if they're listening and they like put on a race they have to start sending rob these random shirts (laughs) but make sure they're really comfortable because then you'll put it on and be like gosh all right uh rocky raccoon here i come po box is ready just just <laughs> ship them out guys yeah i'll send That's them all to strategy. chris <laughs> <laughs> oh no um so anyways but but so like that kind of planted the seed i think and i was like i do want to run one where i grew up you know um, totally but here's what i didn't realize dude is the race was in early september it was like labor day and I, all my trainings at four 30 in the morning. So I was getting no heat training at all. Like even in like coming through August and stuff, you know, it's still like 60 degrees out here in the morning. So it feels comfortable and good. Didn't realize that. And I was like, and I've done a couple desert races before where it gets ridiculously hot. And I was, so I was a little bit, not cocky, but like confident, like oh, I can handle the heat. You know, I've already shown myself that. And this race, I get done with the first 50 K and it was, it was two loops and I get done feeling fine. As soon as I get into that aid station, that's halfway. I'm like, Oh, it just got really hot, like really hot, really fast. And I think it got up to like 96 degrees and it's Iowa. So it's also like humid and stuff. And it's on these gravel roads so there's no shade at all. Like it, you might as well have been doing a desert race, like honestly, because um, so there's just destroyed there. halfway through this thing. <laughs> yeah. So then we head back out. I felt OK that first loop, but then heading back out the second loop, it just hit me all of a sudden. I was like, whoa, there was no like I just like overheated big time. Like I think I took a picture of my face at one point. And it was like pure red, like pure. It looked like the, I was wearing a red shirt stupidly instead of a white shirt. And my face was the same color as my shirt. And going up to the 50 mile aid station, the walls were closing in on me like I had no more water. I was overheated big time and I was starting to like almost lose vision like the you know where like the peripherals are now Black, it's not a safe situation. It's not a. Safe no, situation. I I've never experienced that. Thank God. But yeah, this is the only time I've ever experienced it, and I remember telling myself like, "Hey, okay, if you get to the aid station, dude, you did fifty miles. You can quit. Like, it's you can DNF." I'm like, I've listened to like a billion podcasts before, like people on Rob's show, like Training for Ultra and stuff, and I'm like. I've heard people on those podcasts say like, sometimes you just DNF and then you learn from it. And I was like, I totally like accepted that, that it was a big potential for me. Um, Yeah. When you're about to black out. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Probably reasonable. (laughs) And I was with this girl and she was awesome. She ended up like winning the race. And the whole time she was basically like how I usually am in a race, which is super like cheerful and optimistic and like she's like oh i bet we'll go right around this corner and we'll get there and all this stuff and i was just like in my mind i'm like i'm usually you <laughs> and now i am not you and i don't believe you <laughs> Who are you are you even are you even real <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she might have been a figment of my imagination <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh she crushed it dude but uh but anyways so also for a little backstory, my parents, my mom had never been to any of my ultra runs. And this, at this point it was like, I had been doing this like 50 Ks and 50 milers and stuff for like seven years. She had never been to one, but now we're back in Iowa. So my mom's going to show up. And like I had told like I had always told her like, yeah, like it's, it hurts. Like your legs hurt and you're tired and you're exhausted, but But like it's never that bad, you know, like I I was like, mom, I've never felt that bad from one of these things. And then, of course, she's at the 50 mile aid station and I come in and I feel like I'm going to die. Like I'm like, oh, my God, my mom's going to see me at like my absolute worst and be like, you're never you should never do these again. Like that kind of thing. (laughs) And so I pull in there and. The, here's the here's I guess the whole point I'm trying to get to is sometimes you discover something while you're out there that you didn't see coming at all. And my mom like saved me at that aid station. She had like this ice cold water thing. She was like cool and collected because she had done this bike race called Rag like a billion times, mm-hmm. which is a ride across Iowa. And she's like, oh, I see people overheat all the time. She's like, you just need this, this and this. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, who would have thought? My mom saving the day. <laughs> I was like, I didn't expect that at all, you know? But yeah, man, it was. And, so and,
1: she got you back out there. You were also like, I need to get back out here so my mom doesn't see me just completely basically. fall apart. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I, it was so funny, Like the week leading up, to, she kept calling and texting and just being like, <laughs> She, she kept being like, are you going to have food? You better bring food. And I'm like, yeah, mom, like you take food in these things. And then she was then like five minutes later, she'd text and be like, are you going to have pack water? And all this, like all these questions and the teenager in me wanted to be like, mom, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> but uh, and then she. Like,
1: <laughs> I, I mean, my dad's a runner and I I still get questions from him. He's listening right now to this point. <laughs> Like, I signed up for some hotter races this year, and he's just so concerned about, like, how I'm going to do the heat training and everything. Yeah. Um, Parents, you got, I mean, especially if they have kind of a taste of the endurance world and know enough to be concerned. Yeah. That's, that's, (laughs) yeah. It is what it is. Uh, So, I distinctly remember one of your buddies, like, I just feel like they were ribbing you somehow. I forget what... The, the social share was on Instagram, but like, did you have a buddy that was like either dressed
0: up like something ridiculous? Oh, no. My friend uh, for that race, he picked me up in his Jurassic Park Jeep. Yeah. Yeah, dude. They played it out was... Jurassic Park, I think, or something yes! ridiculous. When I yeah. Finished, yeah, yeah, I was finishing the run, and all of a sudden, in his Jeep, instead of like a, a horn, he pushes a button and it's the Jurassic Park song. And I've never been so happy to hear <laughs> jurassic park i was so excited <laughs> i mean if i'm Got in it. that
1: area i want the jurassic park crew just throwing it out there it's um, man dude,
0: bad camper. that's yeah. amazing Yeah, man, it was it was quite the event, dude. Like, honestly, like you don't expect, you know, I guess you know we're out here in Colorado and we're in like the trail, one of the trail running like meccas of the United States. And there's so many people that do it. And, you know, I guess if you told people like, hey, I'm going back to Iowa to run this race, they'd be like, oh, that's probably not that hard. But here's the thing that I love about any ultra run is like, no, dude, like, there are random things that are going to happen that make it really hard. And it's completely unexpected. And you, you can't really judge like which race is going to be easy and which race is going to be hard because you don't really know all of the factors going in. Like You don't know, is it going to be a thunderstorm? Is it going to be a snowstorm? Is it going to be 96 degrees? And you're completely unprepared for that. Like, yeah. So you could, that's what I love about this sport, the sport, man.
1: Yeah. The, the number of variables goes up. Um, you yeah, know, if you're doing a chart, like a, like a nerd, like, uh, yeah, if you're too confident that a hundred miles, there's not enough things that could go wrong. You just keep pushing the distance out. Like, yeah. the, cause the number of variables just continually goes up. And so like, if you're really like concerned that there can't be anything that goes wrong, just push the distance out and, uh, yeah. there'll be several <laughs>
0: most likely. Dude, for sure, man. And that's, I mean, that just keeps it interesting, in my opinion. And I think the people who are, are the best ultra runners are the people who are going to be, uh, you know, kind of elastic and, and be able to adapt and, and, you know, face any challenge. And I think that's a huge part when you are training for something. You do have to go out when it's raining. You do have to go out when it's really cold out or where it's really hot, because that's actually going to get you ready to face like any circumstance you might have.
1: Totally. I yeah. I distinctly remember growing up. I think it was like Sports Center, like ESPN had some story Tiger Woods hitting golf balls, like and his dad like would wait for the perfect moment to like scream in his backswing. <laughs> Now, we're yeah. not going to go down that road, but I mean, to me it's like he's hitting golf balls in the rain. His his head's screaming in his backswing like at the worst moment where most people would duff it and he's <laughs> training to block that out in like the mental side of all of that. Um so when it actually counts, you can flush a golf ball like no matter what. I see the same I tell myself that at least, like, when it's raining or crappy out, and I don't want to run in the
0: mud, you know, like, yeah, when it comes to the race day, you don't know what could pop up. Yeah, man. Well, think about like that's what makes Rocky montages really cool, right? Like all the other stuff that's totally. that's making it hard. A Rocky montage where like everything is absolutely perfect conditions, and you know, training goes perfectly. Like, that's a boring montage, you know? You don't totally. want that. Don't do a boring mo- Rocky montage.
1: I'll never forget <laughs> Ryan Clayton uh, before we did running the triple. I mean, like, are you concerned? Like, nothing's going to happen during some of these races? <laughs> I'm like, dude, we're doing 200-mile races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's how many things are going to go wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly,
1: man. So, I mean, we've talked about... Let's just go over the highlights here. Teen Wolf, Jurassic Park, Rocky. Uh Um, Let's talk about you and filmmaking. (laughs) I mean, do you, where did this interest come from? Where did, uh, you know, where did you
0: gain some experience? Tell me more about your, your filmmaking background. All right. So I guess to preface everything, we went out and filmed the Deseret Stage Race this year, which is an absolutely wonderful, beautiful race and experience uh, that Gemini Adventures, they're out in Boulder. Um, They put this race on every summer. It's uh, pretty like, you know, it's not a gigantic field by any means. Uh, There's anywhere from 30 to 20 people that do this race. Um, And over the week, you you start in Fruta, Colorado, um, and you end up running to Moab, Utah, on the Coca Trail, and you cro- you basically like cross cut the desert, and it's in June. On top of all of that, so it can get like bonkers, ridiculously hot, like it's crazy. But it's really cool, man. Like, I don't I don't know if you ever like want to do a stage race. And I know you've done the 200 milers, which are obviously like multiple, multiple, multiple days. Um, but the concept of this is like you start the trail, you run a certain distance on the first day, and you run to a camp. And at that camp, you, you cheer everyone on as they finish. They're cheering you on as you finish. Um, and you end up camping there with the crew and with the runners. And I think total is probably like – 35 40 people they have a wonderful crew they have like medical uh they have a chef who's always awesome uh and and yeah so base and they're the crew that are at the aid stations every day too um and then the next day you wake up and you do another distance and you run to another camp and then you do that until you're in moab and i think the part that when I, Because I did the race twice. I did the race in 2018 and I did it in 2019. And the thing that really surprised me, I thought there was going to be a lot of suffering. Like if you did the pie chart, I thought like 90% of it was going to be suffering and like 10% was going to be fun. Uh, and by the end of the week, I was like, whoa, it kind of flip-flopped on me. Because you're, you start off strangers on Monday with everybody. And then by Saturday, when you finish in Moab, you are like this tight-knit group that doesn't want to leave each other. Like, it's truly has this feeling like you're a family almost. Um, That's awesome. And I I loved it, man. I loved it so much. So, this summer, so I did in 2018, 2019, uh, met some wonderful, beautiful people there who are amazing. Um, and so, this summer, last summer, 2021, we went out and we filmed the race. We... We decided we we're going to set up a like a small, like five person film crew and capture, try to capture the experience the best we could. Tiny, and, tiny, tiny film crew.
1: Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm yeah. like, oh boy.
0: Uh, um, that's, and then,
1: that's awesome. So, I mean, were these other
0: runners from previous events or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, man. So the first day of doing it in 2018, this, I mean, I just love this so much because I'm like, I met this guy on the first day and there's a picture that the photographer on the race took of us probably like five minutes after we met for the very first time. Um, and I met him, his name's Paul Shearing and he's this, uh runner. He had this, he had experience doing the marathon to sob and stuff like that. And we just get to talking on the first day and we're just chatting and stuff. And, you know, you you talk about all the normal things. Like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, hey, I'm a teacher and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm a writer. And I was like, oh, cool, man. Like, what kind of stuff do you write? He's like, well, I'm a screenwriter and all this. And I'm like, oh, what? And I'm like obsessed with movies and sports movies and all sorts of stuff, man. And so I'm just like, whoa, that's so cool. What a cool career. And I was like, you know, like, what all stuff have you done? And anyways, throughout the week, we we became really good friends. He camped. Like, we were in the same tent together. And we ran all of the second stage together, basically, which is absolutely brutal. Like, it's 38 miles of pure hell and misery. But I got to share it with this really cool guy. Um, and it turned out he's a filmmaker and a showrunner. Like, he created the show Prison Break back in the 2000s. And he nice. does yeah he's done he's done all sorts of stuff like directed produced all this stuff um and he's just and at the end of the day, it all comes down to like he's just an awesome, awesome dude so I met him, met a couple other guys during the race um you know, we kind of like formed these really close bonds, and throughout the next year, me and some of the people from the race would be like you know texting each other and talking on the phone and uh, became really good friends with this other guy named Phil, uh, and this other guy named Thomas. Um, and it it was just awesome. So the, the next year we all came back and did it again, like 2019. And that year, for whatever reason, people dropped before the race, like it was a really small field then. So like 10, 11 people, um, and became even closer. And so long story short is, My friend Paul was like, hey, man, I kind of want to do a documentary. Uh, If you ever talk to anyone on the podcast who's doing like a cool adventure, like let me know. Like maybe I would want to talk with them. Yeah. And, And I was like, dude, Paul, why wouldn't like why wouldn't you just go out to Desert Rats and film that? Like we we know, like just like you said, with the 200 milers all sorts of crazy stuff happens during that race every single year. Like it just, it's just going to happen, you know? Um, and he just paused on the phone and he's just like, what, why don't we go film it? And I was like, what? Like, I'm just a (laughs) mild mannered science teacher. Uh, but with some, (laughs) with some good, you know, uh, peer pressure and stuff, we basically put together the film project we hired this great dude, uh, adventure filmmaker named James Adamson, uh, who lives up in Breckenridge. Um, and my friend Chris, who we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Louisville Fires, he's the other science teacher with me. Um, he came out and filmed it with us as well. Um, and we just, yeah, we went out and, and filmed the race, dude. And we didn't, we had a plan in the sense of like, I, I had talked to every racer before we went out there. And like knew a little bit about everybody, you know, made sure everyone knew we were going to be out there filming because it's it is such a close knit group and like a small community. I'm like, I don't want to like mess up the feng shui of that, you know, like yeah. now there's this other group out here. It's it all qu- like quiet when you guys yeah. are on like, oh, we're <laughs> right? being filmed. And it didn't. I'm proud to say like actually out of everything, I'm like, I think I'm most proud to say like I feel like we just fit right into the whole Experience, you know, like we were joking with everyone, we hung out at camp with everyone, like we were just part of the community that year.
1: What was your biggest lesson learned from like filming your first event? Was there like one takeaway where you're like, never will I do that again, or like
0: (laughs) XYZ? Like, so many things. I think honestly, though, the biggest lesson, and it can apply to like starting any new challenge. It's it's the whole like idea of like I've done ultras before and you come away with all these great lessons that you learned along the way and you're like I'm gonna apply these to my life and you do you know a lot of the times but a lot of times you're applying it to parts of your life that you already had experience with where I'm like I leave an ultra race and I'm like I'm gonna do this in my um, you know my teaching or I'm gonna do this as a husband I'm gonna do this better like that kind of stuff but this kind of thing was like I'm going to try to apply these lessons from ultra running to something that is completely brand new to me, like completely that I don't know how to do, but I am confident I can like learn along the way. And I'm confident that I'm bringing something to this with our team, you know, that's like unique and helpful and all that. Um, And so I think that's it, man. Like, it's a long process, you know, like it's funny because I think people think like you go out and film something and then like the next week it'll be up and ready and you're like no man like this is this is a this is a process you know and we have this editor now uh, Josh who's like mine like he's just one of my biggest things that has been a pleasure coming out of this is just the new friendships I've made and especially recently since I talk to the editor like almost every single day like I'm like oh we're like friends now like this is awesome dude (laughs) so um, I think the whole idea of just being consistent and it's the same kind of concept of like why we wake up at 4 a.m. it's you just do it a little bit every single day and eventually you get there and you don't have to make these giant leaps and bounds. You can make these like super tiny, small steps. But if you're doing those tiny, small steps consistently, like eventually it's going to lead to something. It's all about that consistent action though.
1: I couldn't um, agree more. Honestly, just, like it's, I feel like I'm talking to a brother that I never, ever had. That's, <laughs> it's really awesome. I just i Are describe it. child too. Uh, no, I have, uh, a little sister. Yeah. A little sister. My parents were wise and only had two. Um, (laughs) uh, but seriously, it's, it's like that grain of sand in the layers of, of the formation of a pearl. Like it doesn't happen quickly. It's just that irritation or whatever the imperfection that gets layer after layer after layer before it becomes something special. Um, and sometimes it happens quicker than other times. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah. love how you described that. Like it's it's exactly what it is, and you went for it. I hope to one day ever have an editor,
0: or even just someone, <laughs> just an audio guy would be awesome. Well, see, or, I'm more, or or I'm, I'm, I'm like very impressed with you because I'm like I don't know these technical skills. You know, like I know how to organize and talk to people, and I. I think I know what a good story looks like and all that stuff. But like the the skills it takes to edit, like that's, I, I think people when they watch movies don't give editors enough credit because the movie is formed. Like they could form the movie however they wanted to. Like all of a sudden your movie could be a horror film or totally. it could be a comedy. And yeah. it's just based on like how they edit it, you know? totally so yeah but there's so many different facets
1: like i we could probably have a whole podcast on it but that was that was my big takeaway from going to the breck film festival like not a single person there did everything yeah um and i felt naive in a sense like i think i did everything um and so it's weird because i get compared against teams and then my budget yeah. My, yeah, yeah. I didn't really have a budget where you know you get compared against even a fifty to a hundred thousand dollar film. Like it's hard to compete against you know a, a twenty person team, yeah, uh, with a large budget. But uh, it also makes it feel kind of real. Like, it's cool, you know. Editing, you can over edit too.
0: Yeah, eventually there's a point where you have to be like. You know, this is, this is what it is. Like, this is as good as we're getting it. You know, it's like drone shots. Kind of weird. Yeah,
1: like everything doesn't have to be a drone shot.
0: <laughs> we do have some drone shots in our
1: film. Just don't overuse them. Like tasteful, right? I think YouTube's almost ruining drone shots for me. <laughs>
0: like, Come on guys. Um, I in I'm still in dude. Every time there's a drone shot, I'm like, whoa. No, I love them. I love
1: them. <laughs> And part of me is like, just flat out jealous. Like you're, you're willing to take on a $5,000 ticket. All right. That's cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do. I will say our, so our, um, director of photography, James, like that dude has done everything in adventures and filmmaking and stuff. Like it is wild what he's done. Like he texted me the other day. He's like, he sent a picture from Indianapolis hanging off, like he's hanging off the side of a skyscraper filming these like super awesome dancers. I'm like, what is happening, <laughs> dude? You live you live a crazy life, man. <laughs> totally. So and I think I think one thing, like I agree like the fact that you've done your films and you were you had every like you were a part of every single decision made in that like that has to be super cool, dude, because like what you're seeing on screen is one hundred percent like that's you you know
1: i can't Um, i can't blame anyone i mean it's (laughs) it's like in a sense it's like a race you know like when you're out there you hit a low you can't point the finger at anyone else like these are solo like individual sports that we do a lot of times and yeah the filmmaking process same thing same thing with the podcast i know i know you get to work with probably a five-person team for your podcast no man, it is... I'm joking with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that 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 one is definitely all of, all just me at that point. But I, I will say though, like the collaboration piece, like it was so cool. And you you feel this probably like when you film Britney, you do feel like you're you're making all these decisions and setting up the shots and filming and stuff, but she's sharing a piece of herself with you for that movie you know what i mean like oh, it there
1: a is... 100% it she the artistic side of her allowed all of that to work same with her husband justin yeah you know he was making cookies like i've never seen and we did this whole <laughs> intro and it was just a test shot um until we nailed it and we could have you know if, if this was like a bigger budget we could have done the cookie intro like 15 times until his fingers are bleeding, but
0: yeah, that would have been a great cookie intro, dude. Bloody fingers, bloody fingers.
1: Cookies. Yeah. Editor oh, turns man. into a horror film.
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 Collaborations, well, that's, that's,
1: everything, man. One, that's the thing. Like
0: all of a sudden there's four of us out there filming, right? And th- we're talking about stories, but then we're, we're experiencing the race through all of these people. And so it's just this big, like community, it's this weird communal feeling of like, wow, like look at this thing like that we created together and there's pieces of all of us in here and it's all like pushed together in this really cool, interesting thing. And that's what I'm really through the experience. That was the thing that really stood out to me was like, wow, like I've never, I've been a teacher. I've been a a coach like I coached football, I've been a dad and a husband and all that. But like, I've never done something so collaborative in this sense, like in an artistic sense. And it was awesome, dude. Like it was just a weird, interesting feeling that I wish everyone could have, because I feel like it, it really does kind of like, you know, kind of like, make you see humanity in like a much more positive way. I love it. I mean,
1: we'll we'll collaborate in the future on on some film at some point. Um, I do want to ask you. I've I've been asked a question where it's like almost like brain overload situation. But I mean, how many podcasts have you done at this point?
0: Um, we're approaching three hundred. I think we're at like at two eighty 280 something, two eighty three, two eighty four. Who who has been
1: uh, your most fascinating interview? Cause I, I've been asked this, like, who's your favorite I know, right? in my brain just goes in overload. Cause yeah. I, I personally, I pick out like one or two things per conversation that are just yeah. like amazing. But was there one or two that like, when you look back on, on your thousands, millions of podcast episodes and, uh. You know, I don't think it's going to get to a million man. but I don't think it will either. (laughs) But is there one or two where you're Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's a special conversation that you, you like, you know, if you're listening to this, you need to probably go check out.
0: Yeah, I, it's funny because when people ask you that, do you say like the dad thing where you're like, I don't have favorites. I did initially, but then I look back and I'm like, man,
1: there's like, (laughs) like Tommy Rivers, Pusey and I. Like really just like hit it off. And this was early. This was really early. And yeah, it was like, he opened up and told stories that no one had ever heard. And probably he might never tell those stories again. It was just like,
0: wow. Like, yeah, there's a few of those. It's those ones, dude. It's, those are the episodes where you're like, really like brained brain, like melding with a human being. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, whoa. And all of a sudden It's, it's a conversation and it's less of an interview and you're just sharing ideas and you're bouncing ideas off each other, but you're also like learning from that other person, you know, I take Um, away
1: more yeah, than probably any listener in a lot of those cases and you enter flow, right? It's like, it's like when you're running and it feels, feels effortless and it happens just like it should naturally
0: somehow it all works. Like, yeah, I feel like it's interview flow. It is. And I think for me, like one of – and I went back – and I don't don't like re-listening to my own episodes because you instantly critique your own voice. There's nothing worse than listening to your own voice recorded, which is what podcasts are. (laughs) Um, But I went back and listened to this because – I think I mentioned him earlier, but he's a really good friend of mine uh, now. And it built completely through the podcast. But uh, this guy I did Desert Rats with named Phil Penty, it was number 136 of my podcast. But we both in that episode, we, we talk about kind of this idea of ultra running, helping you get through like grief, like a major, like something happens in your life that's unexpected. And it's something we all experience is grief in some sort, you know, like we all lose somebody or, or something happens that's devastating. And, and it's just something that unfortunately happens in everyone's, it happens in everyone's life at some point. Um, and you know, it, it had happened to Phil, it had happened to me. We kind of bonded over this after realizing each other's story after we did the race together. And, um, That episode, like, we just share ideas about grief and, like, how in this weird way, Ultra Running has helped us process and, like, created space in our life to deal with these emotions. So, that one, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm proud of just as, like, a friend. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and, and one of the best things for me from the podcast is, developing friendships with people. And I think Phil is just like a special dude. So um, that one definitely, definitely stands out um, from like a interviewed someone really interesting way. Um, there was, a, there was two I'll mention uh, or maybe three. I got to find it though. Oh, I interviewed uh, this guy <clears throat> um, named Gavin Hinnigan and he, he had just won the Iditarod Trail Invitational, which is, like, you you, you got to have some of these folks on, dude. I don't know if you I, have already, but... I
1: feel like I was lining something up, and there were... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely... Um, dude, you got to, man. like, I, I have one or two recorded that, it, you know, are not of him, but... Yeah. They go, no. no, go way north on... Uh, on the trails
0: <laughs> well here's how so i i ended up i don't know if you remember a few years ago um there was the arrowhead 135 which is in like northern minnesota yeah um uh, and it happened during this thing yeah. called a polar vortex yeah and i was like it was like ridiculously cold and then I'm like, whoa, these all these people are going to run 135 miles through the the temperatures where they tell you not to leave your house, you know? And so I had the genius idea of like I want to talk to the last place person from that race because that's the toughest human being on earth. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I love about your podcast. You well, so- you
1: break the mold. You don't you don't like chase the winner of every race or you know like or whatever like the very best at this particular topic like you find interesting unique angles on all of this endurance stuff all these adventures
0: i i reached out this dude named ryan wanless and i reached out on facebook because i saw his facebook picture he had like a um one of those like raccoon hats that like you know back in the day like pioneers would have or whatever and I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if this is the right person, so feel free to ignore this message. But I'm like, did you get last place in the Arrowhead 135? <laughs> um, and it ends up, Ryan's like an like an absolute monster racer. Like, he's done the rod and all this. So he hooked me up with this guy named Gavin, who won it one year, because Ryan went up and ran the rod. And this guy, Gavin, was so fascinating and... He not only had won the Iditarod but he had rowed across the Atlantic Ocean. He was like an oil rig diver, so he like lives at under the water by oil rigs for like a month at a time. It was just I was the whole time I was on the edge of my seat just fascinated by this dude. So, yeah. Love so it, that man. one is one of my ones that I really enjoyed. Um and then the other one just cuz I, I'm sure you might have watched some of his films, but Bo Miles. Um, I, have you watched any of his? He's I, this Australian I, dude. I probably have. I just don't <sighs> recall off the top of my head. He did the whole like, um, I'm going to run one hour or sorry, one mile an hour um, and then do all these tasks in between. Um, but he's this really interesting adventurer from Australia and and uh he's done things like he's he's kayaked to his work to his job as a professor so he like found like the creeks and the rivers that would lead him to like his place of work and he kayaked it and made a film about it and dude i will i'm gonna text you uh some of his videos but he is just this quirky like he comes up with these adventures that you're like, how has no one thought of this before? Like, this is genius, you know, like they're just stuff around his, around his house at this point. There's but, a few
1: where yeah. you're like, Hmm, I don't know if I would have gone that direction, but, and then there's of course with any, any like groundbreaking per- like, perception yeah. on things. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's he, interesting. I'll check it out.
0: Dude. He, uh, he just did one, his recent film. Cause He's kind of morphed into this adventure filmmaker now, but his recent one was planting a tree every minute in a day. So he just like plants trees for like a day and it's it ends up becoming an ultra marathon essentially and you're like, What? (laughs) What is happening? That has to be a record for a human. Like, he's, that's he's crazy. just an interesting dude man so yeah. you have to check out his films they're some of my favorite things on youtube but yeah i got i got the opportunity to talk to him and that's like i mean you know that's the cool thing about these podcasts is like now you have an excuse to like reach out and chat with someone who's interesting so, so who's yeah. who's your
1: like dream interview or who who are you like oh, dude. is there is there like one or two people where you're like <laughs> I would fly across the country and sit down and like, this is someone I have to talk to at some point, you know, before I die, like this is my dream interview.
0: I'm going to turn the question around on you first, if that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll buy you some time. Um, I do. I have one on the top of my head that I will tell you instantly, but I'm also trying to think of like a runner,
1: you know? Yeah. (laughs) No, I, I think, um, I like the challenge of someone that's been interviewed a lot of times. Yeah. I like I, you know, my my personality type is like I don't want to do something easy. I, I like the challenge, and so like talking to Kipchoge and having that was awesome. Having by the way. having a window where it's like you know you got twenty five minutes tops because he's talking to like every media outlet in the world, like, and this is all he can do. So it's like all right here goes nothing like this guy's been asked every question imaginable about running like how can we make this interesting value added and uh so that's that's the type of person where i'm like i like that challenge like if if some big name were to like actually even respond to my emails or whatever and and want to sit down and talk i almost guarantee i could make it a Unique, kind of interesting, different yeah. take, and being quoted by the Olympics for that interview was Dude, like I was so excited. So when you I couldn't asked him run. I couldn't <laughs> run one mile. Like now, the Olympics quoted that one. That <laughs> that was fun. That was
0: really fun. But yeah. do you? So no, I don't. I dodged the question there. Um, no, you. You. Yeah, well, you kind of dodged it a little bit. Is there someone? I mean. You don't want to jinx it. That's the problem, dude. That's the problem with that question, is like you're like, ah man, I don't want to jinx it though. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I truly I feel like I've talked to just about
1: like every runner that's like really, really You really have. Yeah. Fascinating to me. And like if I haven't reached it I mean, so part of me really wants to like deep dive with Jim Walmsley, but I'd like to have a like a beer with him and sit down yeah. and make it like a good, interesting, different take. And I've talked to him in person and, and some of his buddies, but I haven't had him on the podcast. Cause I don't want to approach it like a Skype call. Like I yeah. want to make it, uh, more value added, but I'm not, I'm truly, I'm maybe I'm just too stupid. I'm not intimidated to
0: talk to any runner oh, on the planet, good, any person really for that matter. Yeah, that's good. I, so I think for me, um, as a lot of people have, I read Born to Run to get into it. Uh, I read that getting on a plane thinking it was like a science book about running. I was like, I'm a science teacher. This might be interesting. And then I'm like, oh, this book's actually like legitimately awesome. Like it's a story mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, so, But I would want to talk to Christopher McDougall, the author, um, but I want to talk to him about his second book, which was natural born heroes, which yeah. is really, yeah. really cool. Uh, that's an awesome book. But then also, uh, he wrote one about burrow racing and I don't know if you've had that experience yet, but dude, I have you, not, he was just at Berkeley.
1: Like I want it was, I say just, it was probably like two years ago. Like, <laughs> I don't know when old, yeah. the old Berkeley
0: park run in um dude you got a burrow race though man it is a different experience because now even you know how when you're running you're like i'm in control of myself you know yeah when you burrow race you're like now even that is out of my control like i'm hopping over rocks and stuff just trying not to like get yanked off of my feet and then i'm like avoiding kicks from a donkey named princess and all that like and so he wrote a book called Running with Sherman and I'm like, "Oh man, that'd be super cool." Good things cool. about it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a good book. Um but in all true honesty, my dream guest who I from day 1, I'm like, I would destroy this interview. It would be the greatest interview of this guy's life would be professional wrestler Mick Foley.
1: He's still around,
0: I'm assuming. I I
1: don't know off top of my head. Uh, oh. dude. Is yeah, he? he is he?
0: Uh, I mean, he's not like <clears throat> he's totally was, off I'm the radar at this point. That was like, I was a huge professional wrestling fan as like a middle schooler and high schooler, but it's the guy's book, dude, and he's still around. But he's like all the wrestlers where they're all kind of beat up and yeah, and all that. But he he wrote this book called A Tale of Blood and Sweat Socks, and I read it when I was in middle school and essentially this book is about how this like kind of awkward weird kid had this strange idea that he wanted to get into professional wrestling, even though he like didn't, he wasn't like steroided out or like jacked or anything. Like he's just like a normal looking dude and how he just completely like chased his passion and and kept his like optimism and goofiness and kind of strangeness along the way. But like actually use that to like propel him towards success and is basically about how that kid like rose to the top and like became like this well-respected pro wrestler and, and doing all these crazy things and getting these like crazy injuries and all this stuff along the way. But I'm like, as a middle schooler to me, like, that like touched my heart and made me think like i'm an awkward kind of strange kid as well like maybe i can just follow my passions too and uh, i don't know man it was well, maybe, in, a, in the weirdest maybe way natalie ever. maybe natalie
1: eva's like listening to this and could oh, could hook, hook it up so <clears throat> yeah that would be that'd be fascinating i want to make your dream interview happen for oh, for everything you've done for me like <laughs> i, I want to hear that conversation
0: yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you, Rob, dude. You, this is a cool show. Um, I enjoy listening to it every week. I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. It's it's been really cool. So so yeah.
1: Well, where can we follow you on social media? Where can we download? What was it? Episode one thirty four.
0: Uh, good question. I think it was like one thirty six. One thirty six. Yeah. yeah. If you look up Phil Pinty, it's a good one.
1: Where can we follow? Um, Follow you on social, like your Instagram. Your your pictures are are spot on. They're getting better.
0: I love Thank them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm on social at like a Bigfoot for everything. Um, Instagram is usually where I actually post, though. Uh, so yeah, and then you can look up the podcast on all the podcast stuff. So,
1: last question
0: yep. for you. Oh man, I can't wait.
1: How long have you done yoga? <laughs> Right, like how many days in a row has it been? Uh, it's impressive, and I I kind of like joke with you. Like I better see like you know your your yoga day like thousand in a row yoga streaking. Yeah, man. It's but uh, I'm also like that's amazing and impressive that you get that in every day.
0: Well, I'll say this too. It's it's just been fifteen. Oh the minimum I set for myself is 15 minutes every day. Um, And I think that was important because that seems for whatever reason in my mind, I'm like, oh, even in the busiest days, I can do 15 minutes, you know? It doesn't seem like, even 20, for whatever reason, there's like a mental block there for me where I'm like, I don't know if I could do 20 minutes a day. Um, But but yeah, so I've done uh, 1,106 days at this point. Um, and you know, and I always, I joked, like I'll take pictures of the floor because I don't want to like, I want people to understand that I'm a busy dad. Like I want the reality out there, you know, like I could take pictures doing like tree pose on a mountain or something, (laughs) but I'm like, I'm not doing yoga on a mountain you know um like can i sh- can i share a quick story rob <laughs> sorry i know this is going long already oh my god that's great like, man dude, i'm doing yoga like do you know when hall- you
1: do an outdoor yoga pose i'm gonna just rib you hard <laughs> like there we know you're yeah. not actually doing it That way.
0: <laughs> well like most of the time like i'm either in the basement before i run in the morning so super early just loosening up or i'm like a kid's crawling on me or like you know I'm trying to fit it in. I'm like in the hallway trying to do like uh, like downward dog or something or like crow pose. And yeah, man. So but can I share one more quick story? Yes, of course. As a dad. Here's here's why I realized why that's important, because I do feel like it's hard, man. Like I'll post pictures on Instagram and it's like of a sunrise and I'm out there running and I don't want people to think like Chris is just out there running all the time like in the mountains like that's that's an us part of my day but it's not the reality of like what i do every day you know and you can just get that false perception from instagram so anyways me and my wife and her family were out in uh hawaii this summer or over thanksgiving and we went up uh haleakala <clears throat> national park and dude, the road there is so windy and you're going from sea level to 10,000 feet. Like, so like, so our family, we get out of the car, like one of my nephews is like pale and he's like throwing up. Um, my one of like, uh, my sister-in-law, like, her boyfriend's not feeling good. He's having, like, vertigo. Um, my wife went for a quick walk and, like, stubbed her toe and is, like, bleeding everywhere, right? So, like, all hell is breaking loose in our family in this national park. You know,
1: I mean, you're <laughs> with the three little kids, too.
0: Yeah. And, it's just and, and gonna, they're, I, they're
1: actually holding it together better than everyone else? Like
0: A little bit, yeah. I mean, they're doing what they always do. So it's pure chaos. So it's it's chaos. It's reality, though. It's the reality (laughs) of being dad, right? So I'm sitting there and we're on this bench and I'm just looking at all of us. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, this is rough. And then in the background, I just want you to imagine this, dude, because I missed an opportunity here in the background is like this, (laughs) this girl who's like an Instagram model, With her boyfriend and she like is standing up on this post like overlooking the volcano like the sun the sunset or something and just like looking off into the distance like winds like blowing her hair back and all that and he's like sitting there taking pictures of her and stuff and I'm like. I'm like, how amazing would a video be where it just starts on that, but then like pans out and then you see the reality of like throwing up and like (laughs) bleeding everywhere and like arguing and like all that. And I'm like, yeah, that's. And then so that moment made me realize like, oh, that's why Instagram might not be like, can be dangerous at times. Like people might think that's actually like that person's reality. So to bring it back to my (laughs) yoga pictures, my my pictures are of like my dirty like carpet that hasn't been vacuumed in like two weeks and there's like toys strewn about and all that stuff. So
1: Well Chris, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. We'll stay in touch as always and uh, Man, we gotta actually yeah. run.
0: You always say that, but we gotta Oh I agree. Let's, Let's do, do it, man. Alright, right, right awesome. now. Alright. <laughs> Take care. See ya. And that
1: was episode two oh three, the Training for Ultra Podcast. Big shout out, big thank you to Chris Ward for taking so much of his time. When you guys get a second, definitely check out his podcast, Like Bigfoot. He's been a, a giant supporter of Train for Ultra, and I want to be an equally big supporter of his podcast. Shout out to Patreon supporters. Thank you, uh, really, really appreciate your support. Shout out to Exoskin, Henry Outdoors, and the John Wayne Cancer Foundation and their Grit Series. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week.